I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. This is Play Me, Canada's national digital theatre. Each week, we take some of the hottest plays and transform them into contemporary audio dramas. I'm Laura Mullen. And I'm Chris Tolley. Welcome back to Play Me and the conclusion of Vitals by Rosamund Small. If you missed the first episode of Vitals, you can always catch it and all our past shows by subscribing in iTunes or by visiting playmepodcast.com. The original theatrical production of Vitals was directed by Mitchell Cushman and was produced by Outside the March. Now for the conclusion of Vitals by Rosamund Small, performed by Catherine Cullen. Warning, some language may not be suitable for all audiences. In these last few weeks, I've gone to a lot of places. Not to see the woman with no arms, but I went to Castle Frank to listen to the Ballad of the Missing Man. Then I went to the hardware store on Kingston where we saved the guy who was ODing on coke at eight in the morning. And to the 401 exit where I delivered that baby. And the swimming pool where the lifeguard wanted to kill himself. but. Then he was happy we showed up. I went to the elementary school that called us when I restarted that kid's heart who choked on Halloween candy. He was dressed up as Snoopy, and his mom ran up to me afterwards and tried to give me $50 as a thank you. Later, she sent me an invitation to go to his bar mitzvah. Part of me wishes I'd gone to that, actually. I went to High Park and figured out how the guy climbed the tallest tree to hang himself at the top. There are these grooves in the side you can get up if you really want to, and there's a great view over the water. The trick is you can't think about how you're going to get back down. I went to the Scotia building. I went to a couple of swimming pools. I went to the old age homes. I went to the park with my first rape case. They've put in lights now and I went to the old station, and then to the building with my first hanging, my first fire. I couldn't remember most of the houses, but I did go to the yoga studio and the first really sad miscarriage, which was at the Eaton Center in the maternity section of the Gap. And then I went down to the beaches, which is where we got called for that guy who said he had a bomb a couple of years ago. He didn't really have a bomb. People are liars. Went to the YMCA on Girard where we found the wolf guy with the broken arm, the same guy who flagged us down that one time. We didn't recognize it was him at first. The YMCA just called us in for a guy with a broken arm and it had been broken for a while. So we were like, fine, okay, we just need to take this guy to the hospital. 
Amir got him in the ambulance and asked how it happened. How'd he break it? And he's like, there's an infestation of wolves in my room. Toronto has a huge wolf problem that nobody in the government gives a shit about something or something. And, and I was like, oh my God, wolves. I recognized his red baseball cap. He's the guy who flagged us down on the way to Castle Frank the day our jumper disappeared. He had a broken arm. It's the same guy. The guy we told like, man, go to the hospital. You still haven't gone? He made us lose our jumper and he didn't even go to the hospital. I went to the restaurant where I had my first pretend heart attack. That's the thing, you know, people don't want to pay their bills at restaurants so they just fake a heart attack. I remember the first time that happened, I was so confused and Mir was like, see, people are terrible. There's always a chance they're faking it. Mir always says that about every weird call. See, people are terrible. People are terrible. They just want to be rescued. These last few weeks were about planning for me. I've been happier because I knew that I was making a plan, setting things in motion, like finding someone to take care of my mom and writing a letter to Amir to say I was sorry. I used to have more people I would need to write letters to, but now it just sneaks up on you. But I've just been working and I don't see anyone. And then you realize you don't have any people anymore. If you don't really want to die, if you want to be rescued, you might as well jump in front of an ambulance. I thought about jumping in front of a subway. That's very certain, very effective. So long as you go to the left side, the side the train enters on, so the train hits you right away full speed and keeps going fully over your body. Not at the far end where the train is slowed down so the impact might not suck you underneath, might just hit you and hurt a lot. The right way to do it is at the end the train enters from, so the train goes fully over you and that would have been my first choice, I think. But I didn't want to leave a mess behind for other medics to clean up. They would probably know me. And even worse, I just felt like it would be hairy on the call. I don't know why, but I just had this feeling it would be hairy on the call. And I hate him. And he would be gathering bits of me, finding my leg or my arm and waving them in the air, showing off that he found a body part and... I didn't want that. It would have been my first choice to jump, though. There would be this moment in the air. I decided to use pills. It's quiet, pretty clean. I've had a prescription for Valium for ages, and mixing Tylenol and Valium with alcohol is a very sure thing. If you live alone and there's no chance anyone's going to find you, and if you calculate the dose right, then it will work for sure. You have to plan if you really don't want anyone to save you. Today, coming home from the pharmacy on Ronsi, I walked by my neighbor's house, the Jim James Richard guy who tried to kill himself. 
I walk by that house a lot. It's near me. I, I see it all the time. But today, for a moment, I think I'm hallucinating. I've been thinking about the bottle of Valium I just got, and I think, you're hallucinating, Anna. You have suicide on the brain. You've got to be hallucinating. But I'm not. It's real. Jim James Richard has put all his shit on the lawn again. TV, laptops, treadmill, and Stairmaster. Bed, table, a bookshelf with books in it, lamp, board games, all over the lawn. Just like last time. His weird garage sale funeral with all the shit on the lawn is happening again. Fuck! Again! Now, I have to go see if he's killing himself again. And I don't want to go inside, but it's like he's waving a flag. A weird, I'm killing myself flag. I should have been a veterinarian. People are just terrible. We all just want to die. It's a huge problem. People everywhere are trying to die or practically trying to kill themselves and being totally reckless and ruining everything. And there's only so much I can personally do about that, right? Like, at a certain point, is this really my job? I guess it's not my job anymore. I did go in and it was a suicide. He bled everywhere. He's in the bathtub. Whatever. And I was about to do my thing, you know, save him or whatever. I don't know. I mean, it's so clear he doesn't actually want to die. But it's not like I can start punishing him for crying wolf, right? That's not my place. No matter how many times he does it, I'm not God. I'm just a medic. I mean, I'm not a medic. I'm not a medic. I'm just a person. But I'm about to stop the bleeding and drain the water from the tub and I see him still conscious, looking at me, just like he does when I see him in those mornings on his porch. And I nodded him again like, Oh, yes, you. We met that one time at your suicide. And I'm draining the water. And I'm draining the tub so he doesn't drown. And he starts to lose consciousness. Like, now he can relax because I'm here. And I'm about to work on his vitals, but then... I saw the dog. In the hallway. Kind of an unusual dog. I'd seen him walking it before. A mix or something. A pet dog. But this guy in the bath, he obviously, like, purposely, over a long time, just kicked and beat and starved his dog. It's covered in its own fluids and it's totally starved thin, just ribs sticking out and the dog definitely has a really bad, really painful eye infection. He's just got pus coming out from his eye and he can't even see anymore. He's just a lump of jagged bones. He's barely even aware. This guy has let his dog live in his own shit. It's covered in its own fluids. 
And then I saw the, really the worst part I didn't notice at first, he'd... This guy had like... This guy had taken a pair of scissors and cut the dog's tongue down the middle. It's a clean cut, but I, I could not take that. I could not stomach that. And then I look at this little, awful, loser of a man. Like, who gives a shit about his problems? I don't. I don't give a shit about his problems, his issues, or his depression. Why he wants to die. Like, I just... Fuck him! I don't care about you. You can... I looked at this situation and I saw that the dog was bleeding from a deep gash in his mouth that his person, this so-called person, had actually clipped the dog's tongue before he tried to kill himself. And it's not very likely to work when you cut your own wrist. It's not very effective. A lot of people do it and they don't mean it and it doesn't work because we stop it from working. The guy's still conscious. And he's lying all posed, wrists out, waiting for me to come and change what's supposed to happen to him and giving me this look, this expectant look and lifting his wrists up toward me, palm out, like a request. I took stock of this situation and picked the most vital thing to address. The dog was gonna bleed out, so I used a towel, cut and tie. It's hard with a dog usually because they move, but this one is still, putting his head to the side to let the blood drain out, stopping itself from choking, just very quietly trying to save himself and I hold the dog and clean its eye and I chose the dog because that's not murder. That's suicide. He did it to himself. He killed himself. I did the best work I've ever done on that dog's vitals and the dog's not going to tell anyone. Even if the dog could talk, his, his tongue was split open. So I didn't kill him. I just didn't save him and that's fine you know that's shit what am I supposed to do now There's a guy, and I think he's dead. I let the water out, but I should have stopped the bleeding. What's the address? 151 Pearson Street. I need an ambulance. Help is on its way. They'll be there in a moment, okay? It's a severe hemorrhage. Man, 50 to 60 years of age, slashed his wrists in the tub. Unconscious. He's in the basement. 151 Pearson Street, Roncesville and Dundas. One way going east. It's a Delta call. Are you coming? 151 Pearson, that's a house, right? Yeah, it's a house. Use the back door, the front door is blocked off, the back door is open. The man is in the bathroom in the basement. Medication's by the sink. 
He has a history of suicides. The door is unlocked. And do you have any pets? I have a dog. I went to psych after the woman with no arms and Dr. Wincheski was eating this stupid cupcake and he just said, have you ever considered getting a dog? And at the time I was like, you're stupid. Were you even listening? But this dog is different. It's all fucked up. Who'd want it? But I do. I like wolves. I mean, I like dogs. That guy we picked up from the YMCA with the broken arm kept talking like, the wolves were howling at me. Toronto has a huge wolf problem that nobody in the government gives a shit about. And we kept saying, no wolves, there are no wolves. How did you break your arm? We kept asking him like, why didn't he go to the hospital? But he's just on and on. The municipal system is not effectively wolf barricaded, not the bridges, not, not even the subways. So we're taking him to the hospital and he's still just chatting away to himself like, wolves everywhere, wolves in the station. What was I supposed to do? I called 911, but the howling was too loud and I couldn't take it anymore. You took so damn long and I jumped in front of the train. You took so damn long and I jumped in front of the train. God. He told us. He told us. I called 911, but the wolves were howling too loudly, and I couldn't stand it anymore. I couldn't fucking take it anymore, so I jumped in front of the train. He was the jumper. That guy was the Castle Frank jumper, the disappearing man. Oh my God. How did we not know he was the jumper? He must have jumped at the far end, the, the wrong end. He must have hit from the front of the train, but it's not too bad because the train's already slowed down a lot because it's mostly in the station, so he just breaks his arm. And then there's an announcement to evacuate the station, so he does just evacuate his own suicide. Then he walks along Bloor, sees us driving by, siren on, flags us down, says, I have a broken arm, and we stop, and because of that, we think we missed our jumper, but... Oh my god, I found the jumper! Oh my god, I have to tell Amir I found the jumper! I have to tell Amir I got a dog. Come on! Come here, dog. Let's go. Don't be scared. It's just a siren. Don't, don't worry. Don't be scared. It's just some people. Don't be scared. Come on. I know, I know. But th that's okay. I know. People are scary. People are terrifying. They're just, they're terrifying. Don't be scared. That was the conclusion of Vitals by Rosamond Small. Vitals was performed by Catherine Cullen, and the operator was played by Ash Knight. Visit playmepodcast.com to learn more about our shows, leave a comment, or let us know what you think of our podcast. Some of the music used in Play Me is licensed under Creative Commons license. Please visit playmepodcast.com for a list of the pieces used and for attribution. Play Me is produced by Laura Mullen and Chris Tolley. The associate producer is Pippa Johnstone. This episode was edited by Chris Tolley. Play Me is funded by the Canada Council for the Arts and the Ontario Arts Council. 
Special thanks to our partners, the Playwrights Guild of Canada, Factory Theatre, Tarragon Theatre, and the Musical Stage Company. Play Me is an Expect Theatre production. For more information, please visit playmepodcast.com. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.